This is Audio Insights from Route Consultant. This community of contractors is always on the go, so we've created a resource to move with you. Join me, Spencer Patton, as I talk with my team, fellow contractors, and vendors about our industry. There's a quick disclaimer I need to read. Route Consultant is not endorsed by and is not recommended by Federal Express Corporation and FedEx Ground. Route Consultant is not sponsored by, is not approved by, is not associated with, and has no connection whatsoever with Federal Express Corporation or FedEx Ground. Hey, Emily. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Hey, Kylie. I'm so happy to be here. I normally host these episodes with Spencer, our founder, but you are the person responsible for our brokerage, and I know you have a ton of market insight to offer right now. Can you give us a high-level overview of who you are and how you fit into this Route Consultant puzzle? Absolutely. So I connected with Spencer about four years ago when uh, he was still heavily focused on the FedEx operations space and we were growing our investments and expanding our FedEx operating footprint within the industry. And at that time, we really discovered a lack of structure in the, the process of being able to take your business to market and sell it. There really just wasn't a lot of resources in the space. There weren't uh, a lot of people you know, doing it very well. So at that point, I really turned my focus to helping build route consultant and create essentially a company that could support contractors all the way from day one of trying to figure out what they need to even collect in order to start putting a marketing packet together you know, to, to try and expand our, our market and bring new people into the FedEx industry by understanding the power of these businesses as investment vehicles, uh, and then taking it all the way through helping both buyers and sellers navigate through the FedEx process and as well as the banking process, just to try to reach a successful closing with uh, as few challenges. And, and then that has continued to grow as you've seen with Wrap Consultant to where now, uh, you know, my team also helps facilitate consulting for all new FedEx contractors that are trying to learn how to be successful and shorten that learning curve in this space. Uh, and then as well, the different events that we do to, to try to network and build this community. Fantastic. Well, I wanted to have you on today to talk about the nitty gritty of the market right now. Are you ready to dive in? Let's do it. I'm excited. Okay. So let's start with some trends. What are you seeing at the brokerage today? Absolutely. So it's been a breakout year uh, so far for us in the brokerage uh, as we're continuing to watch the market uh, just explode, I think, before our very eyes. You know, right now we are seeing historically more seven-figure gains on business sales than we've ever seen before. The value of these businesses uh, are appreciating rapidly, uh, really before our eyes compared to when we started a handful of years ago. Uh, We're seeing more listings go under contract within even a week of taking them live. Uh, which historically, you know, used to take us about somewhere between 30 and 90 or more days to, to find the right buyer for uh, each listing that we would take to market. And today we're seeing them, as I said, many go under contract within a week of going live on the site. Um, and we're also seeing, uh, again, with those valuations, more FedEx businesses that are actually selling in excess of 100% of their total annual gross revenue, which has been a really exciting indicator, uh, again, within the industry and, and just the growth that all these contractors are experiencing and, and the continued growth of the valuations of their businesses. Awesome. That's a lot of exciting information. It is. And one of the most asked questions of our brokerage is, why are there so many routes for sale? Is there a rush of sellers going to market right now? What are you seeing? Yeah, we hear this question all the time, Kylie, and 
uh, it's really, it, I think it's all about the perspective and the lens that you actually get into the FedEx space. And it, it's a much larger industry than I think a lot of people realize, you know, there's on average about 5,300 FedEx contractors, uh, as best we can tell, FedEx doesn't make that information you know, publicly available. But, you know, at a $3 million average revenue number for, for the typical FedEx contractor, which we've seen that climb over the years, that's about a $15 billion annual revenue industry. And, you know, as I mentioned, these businesses are worth somewhere between, you know, 80 and 100% on average, you know, now climbing of that total revenue. So it's about a 12 to $15 billion uh, industry when you look at the total value of the market. So when we look at active inventory, and this is something our team monitors on a daily, weekly basis is watching that the broader inventory pool, not just our own listings. Um, and when you look at the, the industry pool with about $250 million worth of routes for sale, uh, that's seeing about 2 to 3% of the market actively listed. It's worth noting that about another 2 to 3% of the market, we conclude, has, you know, sells essentially off market on private transactions between current contractors. So all in all, you know, you have about 5%. Uh, or so of the total available FedEx market that's up for sale. And, you know, I, I always love to use real estate as an analogy with this space because it, it plays very well, is when you think about 5%, if you drive into a neighborhood and five of the homes are for sale out of 100, that really doesn't feel like such a large portion of the industry that's available. So I think one, it's about gaining perspective on really the size and scope of the industry to know that most contractors are staying in the business, uh, but you do have you know, some churn that you're seeing. Uh, one thing I think that is relevant in today's market and climate is based on some of the latest FedEx announcements. We're really seeing FedEx push a, a control of a term we use called scale, where basically they're limiting the total size that any operator can be within one facility. Again, not within the whole network, but with just one facility as a cap. And, you know, with, with that announcement, what we see, and I think this is a, as a result of FedEx trying to control some of the growth of the industry, what you basically have is a lot of contractors who are doing what we call partial sales. Okay. So let me interject here and ask you, what is a partial sale? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, essentially for a contractor who owns, let's say a 30 route delivery business in a particular market. Uh, a partial sale would be if they said in order to stay within scale compliance or maybe just to control my own growth, uh, I'm going to sell 10 of these routes. So they would retain about 20 routes and they'd be selling 10 of their delivery routes. Uh, and, and prior you know, prior to the sale, those would all be operating under the same corporation. So we're selling part of a business as opposed to selling an entire operation all at once. So really you have as a result of this shift and this increase in what we call partial sales, you have a lot of situations where contractors are staying in the built in the business. They're not exiting the FedEx industry, but they are selling a portion of their territory to try to expand, which is creating probably a new influx of inventory hitting the market, which will again, continue to increase the overall available routes for sale. But, you know, a couple important things to know about partial sales while we're talking about those is, these are great opportunities for new buyers to come in because you have a rare luxury of getting to work right alongside the prior owner. So it's not that they're exiting the space. Oftentimes they're on the neighboring belt, still making deliveries. They can still be a resource and a training asset to you uh, as you operate. 
And just one other thing too, on, on the partial sales that is really relevant for a lot of the clients we work with is typically with a partial sale, there can be some financing limitations because as you can imagine, you can't provide three years of historic financials when you're just selling part of a business. Most of these FedEx contractors really don't have their records broken down by route in that level of detail. So it's a good, important note for all of our listeners that you know, with the partial sales, you may or may not find that they are going to be uh, eligible for SBA financing and certain types of financing. But uh, we do see a lot of that inventory in today's market. Great note. And thank you for explaining partial sales. Beyond a partial sale right now, what are other reasons current contractors sell their operations? Yeah, we see an absolute wide array of different reasons from our sellers. So, you know, you see kind of the common scenarios where it's a retirement situation. When you look at the history of the FedEx industry, we're at a pretty natural 30 year uh, rotation where you have a lot of early stage contractors that began with these businesses when they were just one truck operations and have now, you know, had a successful 30 year career it, between RPS and FedEx Ground and find themselves ready just to slow down and, you know, buy a boat and sail the seas. So we, we hear <laughs> that story often. You know, we also hear contractors who maybe have had life changes or, you know, personal tragedies or health concerns that are you know, looking to at least slow down and sometimes exit for those reasons. Um, and then within that, there's also a capital side to consider, which I think can be a big motivator for a lot of our current contractor base is with the growth that these businesses are experiencing. Sometimes that comes with capital and, you know, a continuous a, a investment and expenditure into the business and purchasing trucks and uh, just trying to keep up with that growth rate. So, as you know, the old world of contractor base is trying to exit that space, sometimes it is in, in a way to deleverage because they've taken out a lot of debt and they've purchased a lot of additional fleet assets as the business has grown. So it can, it can be either a capital raise for part of the business if they do a partial sale. And then, you know, sometimes if it's just an exit, it's, it's to totally absolve that debt again, if they're looking to change direction. And, and then there's going to be that, you know, that handful of people who are maybe within their first few years and find that this isn't the right industry. It's not going to be the right fit for everybody. Um, so you're going to have some people that get into the space and they say it's not the right fit. You're going to have others that weren't expecting a business that grows as fast <laughs> grow. This is a fast paced, uh, you know, fast moving train. And for some people, they, they don't love that, that constant dynamic nature. And, uh, you know, for others, they love all the financial opportunities that come as a result of being in a dynamic, fast, you know, fast paced, growing, changing industry. Um, so you, you certainly see some of that as well, where you have people that really just are tired, I think is the simplest way to put it and uh, looking to kind of rebalance their lives or portfolio. So it, it could be any combination and then a million other things that, uh, that we didn't just talk about. Great. That gives us a much better idea of why operations might be on the market. So let's pivot to the sales timeline. How long does it take to buy FedEx routes for sale? And can you walk us through that process and the typical time per phase? Yes, this has been another really exciting evolution to watch within the industry. So when we, you know, we first started, we saw a typical FedEx route sale, you know, take sometimes from six to 12 months to actually go from start to finish. So it it used to be a pretty lengthy uh, timeline. 
we have really watched that timeline contract over the last handful of years. And uh, today there's sort of averages on a handful of different stages. Um, one thing I'll note just as a distinction is, is certainly this timeline can really vary based on the funding strategy. It doesn't always, but sometimes if it's a cash deal, obviously cash is king, right? Versus, you know, the financing or even an SBA transaction, you can see some variation in timelines, but uh, I'll, I'll try to direct you towards those. So really that first phase is how long it takes once a listing goes live to actually go under contract and, or, or rather be matched with the right buyer essentially. And we're seeing that that process, you know, on average takes about 30 days. When you think about some of the due diligence that needs to happen and kind of entry, entry stage negotiations between buyers and sellers. Um, as I mentioned at the opening, you know, we are seeing more deals that are moving towards even a seven day timeline uh, in certain markets and certain uh, areas for certain businesses. But on average, it's about 30 days to get connected to that right buyer. Uh, and then you sort of move into that, that timeline to close where based on financing, we can see some variations. So the FedEx process itself will take about 60 days to go start to finish. It can take a little bit less or a little bit longer, but a good average is to, to keep about a 60 day benchmark for getting through that FedEx interview and getting all the FedEx applications submitted and approved through you know, PGH or, or corporate up in um, Pittsburgh, and then actually being able to set closing and have a stand update. Uh, and generally what we see is if you're adding financing to the mix, you know, it, it is possible for it to run and a consecutive to that 60 day timeline and, and still close within that time frame. But typically when you have financing involved, it can add up to about another 30 days uh, on the overall process. So uh, I would say most of our transactions now are happening in about a 90 day timeline, you know, up to 120 would be kind of the, as things you know, go wrong or little pop-ups happen where, you know, people aren't moving with the same uh, speed as, as maybe they need to. So that, that can be one distinction. And, you know, sometimes even today in the growth of the market, it's just uh, getting the seller to be able to get us all the information we need to get here for closing because they're pulled in so many directions, uh, again, with the growth of the business and the pace of the operations themselves. But I'd say 90 days is a really good average timeline. Okay. And let's dig a little deeper into this timeline between signing an asset purchase agreement and closing on a business. What's happening in between there? <laughs> it's, it's a great question. And, you know, people always come to us, they're so excited at the very beginning to find that deal and get it under contract. And then all they want to do is just take over the business. And, you know, as I mentioned, they usually have about a 60 to, to 90 day ramp up period before they actually get to sink their hands into the business. And during that time, you know, we are doing everything from finalizing financing, as I mentioned, which, you know, depending on how you're doing that financing, it can be a very labor intensive process, a lot of, a lot of conference calls, a lot of document collection, a lot of signing your name, <laughs> which <laughs> no, no different than buying a home, but uh, that that's a time consuming part of the process. We do a lot of work during that time, you know, especially with our consulting clients, but really with all of our buyers on helping them choose the right vendors to work with once they take over operationally. So there's decisions that have to be made around scanners and fleet optimization, route optimization, safety technology. You have payroll processing, recruiting services, you know, a lot of different 
uh, a suite of different vendor services that are really required to successfully and efficiently operate these businesses. But there's a lot of great vendors within the space, and we've really worked hard to develop relationships with pretty much all the vendors within the industry to to really understand their products and where uh, they may or may not be applicable for different contractors who have different needs. And, And we try to make those connections and you know, set people up with the right resources. We also spend a lot of time during that window working on the FedEx relationship. So each prospective buyer does have to go through a FedEx interview. And and it's a very formal interview, just like a job interview, some differences, but we do a lot of work to train and educate our clients on how to be successful in that interview. And then, you know, really from there, it's, it's finalizing that people strategy and fleet strategy. And and that's something that typically the buyers really has their energy focused towards as making sure that they start that recruiting ramp up and are confident they're going to be able to maintain staffing in operations. And then uh, again, that they're happy with that fleet strategy if they need to source additional vehicles before closing or uh, do some repair work on some of the vehicles to, to make sure that everything's ready for takeover. So that's not a quiet period at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not. It, uh, it's, it's very quiet typically for the contractor. So they are usually uh, really just antsy, antsy and, and tapping their toe, kind of waiting uh, on, on an update on where we stand and just trying to you know, have them focus on maintaining operations. But really for the buyers, it's a very, uh, it's an exciting, busy time, a lot of paperwork and a lot of decisions uh, about the business that they, they want to operate. Great. We talked about financing a few minutes ago, and I want to circle back and talk about creative financing or financing that might not come from a traditional lender. So let's start with seller financing. How common is seller financing in this industry and how much seller financing is typical in a deal? Yeah, it's a great question. And as seller financing is a staple in the industry, I think we're still at a stage where this is very common. Uh, some of it is motivated by lenders, you know, most, certainly the SBA, but even some conventional lenders, it, it has a lot of confidence boosting effect on the lending process if the seller is willing to essentially keep a stake in the transaction. So, you know, what we typically see for seller financing is somewhere between about 10 and 20% of the total transaction price. I would tell you that, you know, we are seeing an increase, especially with the number of carve-outs and partial sales, as we talked about earlier, that we've been doing of, you know, larger portions of seller financing. And also, you know, depending on their accounting strategy, you have sellers even looking to seller finance a significant portion, you know, just for some of the tax deferment, uh, actually. So uh, that's been an increasing, increasingly frequent component of deal structures that we're seeing today in the climate today. But on average, it's about 10 to 20%. And it's really common transaction to transaction. We do very few uh, transactions that have no seller financing, but every once in a while you have a seller that might've had a bad experience in the past or they've been burned and they're just really adverse to the concept. And you certainly still, uh, still do a deal without one. Okay. And what about truck debt assumption? Can you talk about how that might work into a deal structure? Absolutely. So this is one of my favorite tools to use because it's essentially a chance to alleviate the burdens of the, the seller. It doesn't mean necessarily that they're taking on any type of seller financing or liability, but it functions very similar to getting a conventional or an SBA loan in terms of creating a debt component for the buyer. So 
they can essentially assume existing truck debt if there is existing truck debt that the current owner has and count the total amount of debt assumed towards that purchase price. And one of the big advantages is it can really shorten the timeline because the application process is very easy on a truck debt assumption, as opposed to going through a new loan acquisition. It's much easier, much more painless, less fees, less costs. And uh, also from a down payment perspective, oftentimes the buyer coming in may not have to put any additional money down. Sometimes if you know the, the asset value is kind of in, in the inverse of, of what the, the current loan amount is, they might have to put some additional money down, but oftentimes there's not a down payment uh, when they're taking over those truck debt assumption pieces. So that can be a really effective tool to use. Probably the one challenge is sometimes there just isn't any and the current owner doesn't have any truck debt on the existing business, but we, we see that strategy used a, a lot lately. Great. And I feel like we've covered a lot of market updates at a high level, but I'm wondering if there are any other trends that buyers and sellers need to be aware of right now. Yeah, uh, a lot, probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. It's, uh, again, a very dynamic kind of changing industry. I think, you know, you're, you're seeing some trends on the personnel side where, uh, again, with as a result of the partial sales that we talked about, you know, managers have become such a hot topic in the industry and the ability to create and train and replicate good managers is needed because when you have a partial sale, like we mentioned, oftentimes the, the owner has maybe cultivated a manager over years and they have a deep personal relationship. And if they're just selling a piece of the business, they want to retain that manager that you know, they have a lengthy you know, relationship with for their existing and, and remaining routes. And so that has, I think, created a really new trend within the industry that sort of forces a need to be able to efficiently cultivate good operations managers uh, for new buyers coming into the space. And so you know, we've been really working and pioneering a lot of opportunities within that area to try to help cultivate managers, certainly something we've had to learn to do in our operations as well. So that's, I think, a very popular trend in the space. And you know, touching a little more on the vendor side, I think we're seeing such consistent innovation in the vendor space around the different products and services that are available to support FedEx contractors. You know, just a handful of years ago, we were a very manual paper process industry. And really, you're seeing that shift of kind of a technology innovation and wake up within, within the industry. And it's very exciting to watch. I think the resources that are going to and are continuing to become available for current contractors are really exciting on making it easier for them to operate their businesses and as they're scaling and we're seeing contractors build larger businesses, uh, their ability to, you know, run them in a more remote way and still be a manager, you know, relying on data, even if you're five hours away is, is becoming more feasible uh, as an operator today. So those are some of the big things that we're seeing and watching, but uh, it might, might be new ones by next week. So. <laughs> Well, Annalie, uh, how can current contractors and prospective investors who want to learn more about this market connect with us to do so? Absolutely. We are all about connection. So um, this is something we really focus on is trying to create as many opportunities and platforms to engage with 
both current contractors, but also prospective investors who are looking to learn more about the space as, as we can find. So, you know, for our current contractors, one absolute can't miss uh, connection opportunity is our annual expo. Uh, that's going to be uh, this year in July. So we've bumped it up a little bit. It'll be July 30th and 31st uh, this year. It's here in Nashville, Tennessee, the Opryland. It's beautiful, uh, beautiful location. We have a ton of fantastic vendors traveling to town to share the weekend and um, just exchange, you know, best practices. There'll be a lot of educational content presentations, lots of fun, lots of parties, lots of networking as well. All socially distanced and safe, but very <laughs> fun networking opportunities. And so that is really a can't miss event that we would love to see you know, all of our current contractors, you know, show up for that event this year. Um, we also do a number of road shows throughout the year, which are essentially like small mini expos that we do, you know, pop up in different locations across the country. So you can always check out our events page on the routeconsultant.com website. And they're going to be able to see if there's a road show in their area sometime soon. So hopefully we'll be, we'll be nearby before they know it. As far as the prospective investors go, you know, for those, uh, there's a lot of different ways to engage, but we have summits, I think are one of the, the best way to engage with us. So we have our new investor summits that we do about every three weeks. Those are also here in Nashville or virtual, uh, depending. We have a couple different varieties of, of formats for the summits. And those are essentially a small 20% crash course day where they, you know, it's like drinking from a fire hose. They spend an entire day with Spencer, you know, Grace, our chief operations officer, Leland, our chief financial officer, and learning about how we run our business and, and kind of laying the foundation of lessons that we wish we knew when we started in the industry. Um, so that's a really great way to engage with us, but also always showing up for the weekly webinar and, you know, engaging with us on Facebook, social media. You know, those are some other great platforms to stay engaged with what's happening in our community. But we would love to see you there and meet you and continue to, to have these conversations about our ever-changing industry. All right. Well, thanks again, Annalie, and I'm looking forward to talking more soon. Absolutely. It was my pleasure to be here. And thanks for having me, Kylie.